All right. Hello. Welcome to the Hall of Mirrors. Good afternoon, everybody. Thanks for uh, tuning in. Got a big show today. We have the addiction doctor, Dr. Rob Kelly. Uh, he's going to talk to us about his struggles with addiction and the steps that he took uh, towards redemption. Yeah, uh, it's quite a story. Yeah, it's, it's an amazing story. We're excited to share it. Uh, we think it's very important to note that over the past few months, uh, we've been advocating very hard for our healthcare workers and their right to choose what gets put in their body. I think it's a very interesting nexus that, that we're going to uh, talk about today about what happens when that right to choose becomes an internal fight. And what I mean by that is what happens with the, the individual struggles we're going to talk about. And when you feel like you don't have a choice over your own body, and we're hoping that, uh, the, the good doctor, Dr. Rob Kelly, will be able to uh, kind of broach some of these issues with us. So having said that, welcome, doctor. Thank you, guys. Good to be here. Hi, Randy. Hi. Hey, Mike. Good to Very see excited. You Pleasure. Yeah, too. So, so let, let's kind of just uh, delve into it for our audience. Uh, those that don't know you, why don't you give us a, a, a quick <laughs> Reader's Digest bio uh, of yourself? Sure. My name is Dr. Rob Kelly. They call me the addiction doctor, specializing in alcohol and drug recovery. I've uh, for five offices around the world, been doing this for a long time um, because of my alcoholism. I lost everything. Uh, went to a great college, brought myself up from the projects, um, made a self-made millionaire and then lost it all to alcohol, lost kids, wives, cars, houses, ended up homeless on the streets. And uh, through hard work and, and diligence, uh, here I am today, many, many years after in San Antonio, Texas. So I come from Manchester in England, okay. just in case everyone thought that was an East Texas accent. I'm from over the pond. <laughs> Not quite. Uh, been, been, uh, the amount of times I've said that, I, where are you from? I go East Texas. And you go, oh, Okay. No, I'm not you clown. <laughs> you got to be fucking kidding me. <laughs> yeah. So that, that's about it. I got over here 14 years ago um, for two days. Oh, no, for two weeks. I came for two weeks. And uh, as soon as I got off the plane at DFW, I never went back home again. Okay. So, so you've got a really interesting background. Uh, when, when you were across the pond, uh, you were uh, a professional bassist, correct? I was playing bass since the age of 19 with a musical family thrown on stage. It's where I took my first drink at the age of nine, Liverpool Irish Centre in Liverpool, England, where the Beatles are from. Took my first half of beer that my uncle gave me and uh, the whole world just took off. It's amazing. So I, I have to stop you there because this is where I geek out. You've played with Elton John. Yep. Queen. Yep. David Bowie. Yep. And so I haven't found too much about that. I just wondered if you could uh, enlighten us. Well, back in the old days, back in the late 70s, um, I began, uh, I've played since the age of nine, so I began doing recording sessions at Strawberry Studio in Stockport, which is owned by 10CC. And uh, finally, I saw a, an ad in the Melody Maker, which is a British music magazine, for a bass playing job, session bass player job at Abbey Road. And there's loads of bass players, there's loads of session musicians attached to Abbey Road because most of that's what they use, session musicians. For those who do not know what a session musician is, if, some, if a band's making an album and the bass player or guitar player can't make it or they're sick or they've just got the first paycheck and they're out on rocking and rolling all over the place, then they'll, they'll bring in session bass players to lay down the track. And, and that's what I did. And like I say, I've done sessions with uh, Elton and uh, Freddie uh, and uh, Bowie, all them great guys. So, yeah, I just get to turn up and, uh, you know, I get to uh, play 
play my part and then just hang around with them after it was just phenomenal lifestyle. You know, I was drunk and I was wasted most of the time, but yeah, it was a great lifetime, a lifestyle completely drove the Porsche 911 felt like a rock star myself. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a great experience. We'll keep moving forward. I'm going to come back to that experience. Well, for, well, while I was doing that, I was, I was extortionate amounts of money they paid for session work. That's what I didn't know. I'm playing in a bar all night with, with the fa- musical family and we're getting like 10 pound a night or something. You go in the studio and you get a hundred pound for like two hours work. Wow, wow. That's what I did. But with the money I earned from Abbey Road, I put myself through Oxford University. Now people like me don't go to Oxford. Okay. I, I was brought up on the projects or the council estates. But I always wanted to better myself. So at the age of seven, 16, I think, I became a Freemason. And the only reason I became a Freemason is because my friend's dad was in the Freemason and they'd been looking for an organist for about two years. So they snuck me in through the back door. But I found out, because in England, the Freemasons are a little bit different to over here. Like okay. you really can't find out who a Freemason is in England unless you know certain words and handshakes. But over say, here, gonna, plastic on the window and everything, you know, this is Freemasons in here. It's like Alcoholics Anonymous when I first came over. I'm like, <laughs> right. oh, my God, they've got it on the window. They're advertising it over here. That's crazy. In England, you've got to go down two flights of stairs, knock on a door, give a password, then go into the AA meeting. Crazy. God. Yeah, so, so ultimately, would you st- would it be a fair assessment to say that your success in – the music industry kind of led you down the road to, to failure and then ultimately back up to recovery. I think so. And, and for the people listening, let me tell you why I have the alcoholic brain, the addictive brain. It's a predisposition. I'm born this way. It's a biological effect uh, to ethanol in alcohol. So when I take alcohol in my body, I don't know when I'm going to stop. So with that, the alcoholic brain is a, is an amazing brain. It, it, it acts and it functions differently to the normal brain. So we're either very successful or we spend most of our time self-sabotaging. So when I put my mind to something, I went and I got it. And the drinking also in the early days wasn't a problem. You know, alcohol worked for me for a long time. It really did. It gave me the confidence to speak to girls. It gave me the confidence to go for these crazy auditions where I, this kid shouldn't belong but I was, it just made me so confident. It was phenomenal. So yeah, definitely. That's interesting. So, so would you say that, and, and I'm going to kind of segue in and then we'll get into to what you're doing now specifically. Would you, would you say that the COVID pandemic has ultimately, have you seen an uptick in addiction uh, specifically with heroin or is there a drug of choice? And, and, and how, how do you, think this kind of translates with with addiction itself being you know contained in your house being put on quarantines and whatnot we have received so many messages of people already losing everything and, definitely i've heard horror yeah. stories myself i know for a fact that alcohol sales in texas went up by 37 percent within a period of about a month so if, if you're if you're just a normal person that's going to work every day the worst thing that can happen well you think it's great i get to work from home you stick somebody in an isolated state for a period of time and it starts to psychologically affect you. If you're an alcoholic or an addict, bipolar or depressed person, it increases tenfold. So isolation for me as a drinking alcoholic is the best thing that ever happened. Because I can go on, I can go on, I wish Zoom was around when I was drunk. I could go on Zoom with like just wasted, a pair of shorts on, flip-flops and a nice shirt with a tie 
and sit there all day BSing you, drinking the, you know, out of the teacup, you know, the, the vodka out of the teacup and stuff like that. So the thing we've got to watch going forward is the psychological effect that this has had marriages up by 22% bust, alcohol, drugs, suicide, it's all gone crazy, but it's the after effect with, with our kids we've got to watch for the years ahead. So how so uh, with the children, because that was another kind of spinoff question that I had is, do, do you see a rise with, with, with children not being able to be educated properly? Um, are, are you anticipating a rise at, at your facility with, with adolescents? Definitely. I mean, the communication is what we're lacking nowadays. When I was a kid, mom, mom and dad sent me out to play with the other kids in the park or play football. Uh, we find today that two teenagers sat at the dinner table, uh, one family, one friend, and they're texting each other while they're at the, at the uh, family table. So the communication and human contact is gone from our lives. So we're going to see that in about five to 10 years time. You know, people always say to me, yeah, doctor, I've got 5,000 friends on Facebook. My reply is always the same. No, you're plugged into the wall. That's all you are. It's nothing. It's not, we need the human contact, you know, frequently. So, but yeah, the, the psychological effects of the abandonment will tenfold because a lot of kids have abandonment. 95, 96% of kids growing up uh, have abandonment issues where the dad's working with an amazing job and you live in a million dollar house, but you never see dad PTSD and abandonment right there and so on and so forth. So there's a lot, the more we find out about the brain, uh, especially in addiction, the more we're educated about how deep this goes. Because alcohol, let, let me ask you a question. So what's an alcoholic? Simple question. It's a drinking problem. Right, exactly, yeah. It's nothing to do with the alcohol. An alcoholic is not someone who drinks so much alcohol, it's just a symptom. What's really going on is the trauma, the remap brain, uh, and, the, and the predisposition from birth, and that can come out in any way. It can be depressed, it could be the bad kids, the same thing. It's, we, we're learning more and more as years go on. So you say there's uh, three things that keep people in addiction. Fear, you mentioned abandonment, and shame. Yep. Exactly. You, uh, you want to talk to our listeners about that? Yeah. The, well, your, the your approach to uh, coaching? Yeah, the, the, the fear is always there with everybody. Everybody has fear, yet people will never admit it. Never. The shame, no matter what situation, whether you're being abused at home or whether you're drinking too much, the shame is always there. You can't let other people know exactly what's going on in the house. I was taught to lie at an early age. If somebody calls the house, ask for our address, tell him we live on that posh estate over there. Don't tell him we live on, on the projects. So I was taught to lie. You know, abandonment, like I said before, it's rife in, in, you know, in, in, in our society. You know, whether it'll be uh, 5,000 likes and one angry face, ooh, that'll set some fear off. That'll set some trauma off with the kid. It's like we live for likes. Right. It's unbelievable. And, and, and it's just like one person can affect a teenager's life. So they've got 5,000 likes and let's say three people have hated it. The, the teenager is going to concentrate on the three people because everyone likes his perfect life, that everyone's airbrushed and everyone looks amazing and sounds amazing. And all of a sudden, when you don't fit into that cookie cutter, teenagers are taking their lives over this. So we really need to sit down and talk about this, guys, in the, in the years to come. Otherwise, we're going to have, and I've said this from the beginning with alcohol, an epidemic on our hands that we can't control. And so it's happened now in America. Yeah, I wish the parents would take the electronics away from the kids. Never given. You know, to kids under 18, unless absolutely necessary, you know, you don't exactly. need a cell phone. Yeah. Don't even get into the, into, into the radiation stuff. 
Oh, man. Actually, don't even go nowhere near that because that will blow your mind when the kids are either got it next to the head or sat in the lap or whatever. It's crazy. So, so I have to ask you, you're ultimately forming a nexus. And, and I just, I want to make sure that I understand this because I'm sure there's, we have some viewers that, that might not be understanding the nexus. Alcoholism itself and overexposure to, let's just say, electronic social media platforms are the same things happening in the brain? Is that what you're kind of saying per se? What do you mean happening in the brain? You mean uh, insofar the as two. the addiction, the addiction yeah, to social media. So there's two, yeah, there's two kind of addictions in the brain. There's the alcoholic brain, which born that way. And there's the other addictive brain, drugs, TV, food, sex, that forms the habit, which then becomes an addiction. And that's the same thing that's happened with the phone. So take away the predisposition that I'm born with as an alcoholic, because when I drink or get all bets are off and take the, the addict who finds the phone, the heroin, whatever it may be, they show up the same. They show up of, of this being my primary thing in my life. I know I've done it myself. You've left, where's my phone? The heartbeats almost stop because we've become so reliant upon these machines. It's unbelievable. And that has a psychological effect on our mental growth and our mental, uh, I don't like to say illness, we say injury, on our mental injury. I take note of that mental injury. Yeah, that's very interesting. So, so when you... When you were at your, your rock bottom, when you said uh, specifically you were sleeping on the streets, at what point did you, were you able to, to pick yourself up? Did you have help along the way and to, to get you to where you're at today? Obviously running a, a very successful business for recovery. <coughs> and uh, can we put that up on the screen? Yeah. Uh, if you don't mind, no, if you want to throw doctor, we're going to put this up on the screen, kind of give you a little plug at your. Uh... Yes, Excellent. And, and then, uh, yeah. And. Yeah, you can go ahead and talk through it if you would. For As us. I was prepping for this, and uh, you know, I was reading about the six suicide attempts. If you could touch on that for our listeners, yeah, definitely, definitely. The you know, when I end up on the streets, there was nobody that was going to end up on the street like me. If there was anybody going to conquer this, it was me. That I'm, I'm so when I when I set out to do something, I had to do it, or I don't. I never fail. I have that mindset. It's called the alcoholic mindset, and. Uh, what, what happened was I lost everything. In fact, a sad story is when, it, when my wife left me because I, I stabbed her three times because she wouldn't let me finish my vodka and she left for well, what's oh. all that about. And she took the kids, but I got them back the next day. So when the authorities came, I remember sitting them in the front room that on the, I think it was the Tuesday, sat in front of the room. You said, you, said you stabbed her three times. Oh yeah. I just sort of skipped over that. It's just not, <laughs> yeah, I stabbed her three times. She, I came down the, I came down the stairs one night three o'clock in the morning and I was dying to drink and I knew I'd put some vodka somewhere. So when I got down, I opened the cupboards and I found it. I put it on the side for a second, turned around to get a crystal glass because, Hey, I'm not an alcoholic. I'm not drinking it from the bottle to pour into the crystal glass. And when I turned around again, my wife had followed me down and she'd snatched the bottle off the side. And she said to me, Rob, I think you've had enough. I should have gone back to bed and thanked her, but I took a kitchen knife out and I stabbed her three times and I finished my vodka. Wow. I then called a taxi and the, the taxi arrived. I called 911. And when I heard the, uh, the sirens in the background, I jumped into a, a taxi and I fled to Spain. That was my alcoholism. That wasn't the worst. But that, so when I got back from Spain, she was packed with the kids and suitcases and she left. I got the kids back the next day from my attorney. And then... I sat in front of the TV, guys, and this, this is it. This is a responsibility on me now. 
I'm the father. I'm going to set him down in front, of the, in front of the TV. I'll walk into the kitchen, guys, and the thought crossed my mind. Wouldn't it be great to have one drink of alcohol to celebrate getting the kids back? Wow. Three days later, when the police smashed the door down because dad had not fed the children for over two days, no diapers had been changed for two days, and dad was on the floor drunk with 16 or 17 bottles around him. And they snatched the, my children off me and they walked them down the path with, my, with the authorities and, my pa- and her parents. And the last thing my daughter said to me, she said three things. She said, daddy, daddy, please don't go. And she's walking up the path, holding onto mommy's hand. She's only a little girl. And she turned around again and she said, daddy, daddy, please get better. And as it got to the end of the gate and the gate opened, she turned around one more time and she says, daddy, daddy, please stop drinking. And I couldn't do it. I just couldn't do it. So there from there went the homelessness. I lost everything right there and then. Yeah, daddy, daddy, please stop drinking. That's the last thing she said to me. Um, and of course, I went from there to friends, from friends to acquaintances, and then finally on the streets. And I remember, I remember guys sitting on the street the first night in the middle of Manchester. It was raining. And I thought to myself, where did all that just go wrong? My life was perfect. And I drank it away, you know? I mean, the horrendous things I did in that house was, was, un, was unforgivable. But I was on the street, so then the only thing to do was commit suicide. And as, like I said, I did it six times. And on two occasions, it worked. I, I was dead. I was clinically dead. And they brought me around again on the side of a, a smelly old stinky road at the back ends of Manchester. I hated them guys for that. I was cursing them out all the way to the hospital in the ambulance. You know, I wanted to die. Every right. time I thought of my children's birthday or Christmas, I wanted to die. Every time I called my mom and dad and I put the, the money in the, in the call box and I said, hey, mom, and she put the phone down because they were told to do that, I wanted to die. And, and, and that's eventually after 14 months. And I remember walking the back ends of Manchester, man, nobody goes there at nighttime. And I dropped down to my hands and knees, crying like a baby from the stomach. I wasn't crying because I lost my kids or my wife or my money. I was crying because the first time in my life, I realized I couldn't stop drinking. Wow. I remember looking up to the sky and saying, if there's a God up there, I can't do this on my own anymore. 30 seconds later, and a guy walked around the corner who's missed his last person from a Bible study. He started talking to me, took me home, let me change and shower for the first time in a year. And that's where my life started to take off. People, if this doesn't give you hope, I don't know what will. That's, that is absolutely amazing. Have you been able to rekindle with your, with your daughter? The youngest one has never got in touch with me because there was too much damage done. She was only one, but she saw a lot and heard a lot from mom and rightly so. But my, my eldest daughter was three at the time, three or four years ago, I got a message on Facebook and it was like four o'clock in the morning here. And I opened it with squinty eyes and it was from my daughter, Charlotte. We call her Charlie. And she said, dad, I want, I've seen you on TV. I want to meet you. I don't believe all the stories. It's time we met. I woke my wife up. I was so ecstatic. And then we got the red eye back there and we, I walked up and knocked on the door and she came out and we hugged and we cried and it was just, the feeling was phenomenal. And then she says, dad, I've got some dad. She said, dad to me, guys, I'd never heard that. She said, dad, I've got something to show you. And I thought she'd bought a new TV or something. And as we walked into a living room, she handed me my three month old granddaughter. And I thought that that was it. But even better than that, when we met her, she wanted to go back to school and become, you know, a therapist. 
regarding alcohol and drugs. So he sent her back to school. And six months ago, to the day today, she became a member of our company and she opened our Manchester office in the United Kingdom. That's amazing. Wow. Absolutely Thank you so amazing. much for sharing that. That that's yeah. how it, I'm, I'm very rarely lost for words, doctor. So please forgive me. It, that, no. it, that hit very hard. And, Especially uh, being fathers. Yeah. Being fathers that, that hit very hard. Um, how did you end up in the United States? Cause most of your backstory is in Manchester, correct? Yes. So yes. How, how does one parallel? So uh, we're going to pick up your story. Your, your, uh, you got picked up off the street by someone coming back from Bible school and you, where do we go from here then? We go back to his house and he said, you can stay there for as long as you like um, and get yourself sorted out. So that's what I did. I, um, I went to uh, 12-step meetings with him and I met another guy who we'd never been able to trace. That's a whole different story. And he taught me some stuff that I needed to know. So um, life just seems to get better and better, to be honest, like better and better. And uh, it was just an amazing trip that I went on because... When I started to do the work on myself, when I recovered from alcoholism, which is a, a psychic change and a spiritual awakening, when I recovered, life just started to be successful for me. And the more confident I got, and I intensively worked with other people. Like I remember, you know, in Manchester holding studies with like 500 people in the library all at once. Okay. So I was getting a name for myself. And then I, I got on with this girl when, when the, the chat rooms were just starting. I think it was way before Facebook, way before Facebook. And uh, we got chatting and her husband had been an alcoholic who died. And she went to this big church in Dallas, Texas. And they hooked me up with a seminar for two weeks to speak to their youth ministry. And that's what happened. But there were crazy things happened. Like my passport ran out like four days before I was supposed to come. You know, I went to the office. He said it's going to be at least four weeks. Two days later, my passport arrived. I have no idea how. So I get on the plane to come here. And, and when, I, when I got off at DFW, Dallas, I, I just knew something had happened. I knew that this is where I was supposed to be. And of course, I, I said to my friends, I surrounded myself in Dallas by, and this is very important, guys. I'm surrounding myself with people that lifted me up and believed in me straight away. You see, if I, if, if I hang around with nine depressed people, I'm going to become the 10th. Show me your friends, I'll show you your future. I've always had that mentality. So that's what happened over there. I said, I want to write a book. And instead of them going, don't be stupid, they all went, wow, we thought you'd already written one. Really? Yeah, let's do it. I want to, I want to be on a TV show of 18 million viewers. They didn't go, ha, ha. They went, oh, I can see you there, Rob. And, and today I find that one of the biggest talks to do is self-care, self-awareness, and why not you? Because when we see these guys in the Porsches, you know, earning six figures and we go, oh, wow. No, there's only one difference between you and him. And he can visualize it and you can't. Sure. You know, once you visualize it in your mind, you can hold it in your hand. Look, you can be one of the most power. You become empowered when you get the other side. And then you start empowering families because that's the promise I made to God when I first come over is this is what I'm going to do. And I've been doing it. I've worked with six and a half thousand people, probably nearly seven thousand now in the last 28, 30 years. I can't know how long it is. But I, I, I'm, still as, I'm still as happy and virgin on aggressive sometimes when I talk, but in a nice way of you can do this. 
And what I'm biggest saying is, if you're sat at home now listening to this and you don't think you're worthy, you don't think you're good enough, and you don't think you're going to better your life, I want to apologize to you guys because somebody's put that there. We are born with million-dollar minds. Stop hanging around 10-cent minds. Let's get this stuff and move forward as men. You know, to, let's get that. Remember the guys in the 40s and 50s, the gentlemen with the hats and the suits and the coats? Real men. Absolutely. You know, the I love real men that the take charge of stuff. Right and feel the passion coming through the screen. Yep. It's intense. So we got, uh, we've got New Zealand. We've got California. Sorry, Dr. Rob. I just want to shout these wow. people out. Canada, yeah. Nebraska, St. Louis. West Virginia. Wow. Yeah. So, so we're so, definitely reaching uh, Nova Scotia, I see on here. You told so, those people you're going to be on TV and when you made it on the doctors. You know, what, oh, yeah, what, yeah. What were you feeling? Yeah, I've been there a few times. It was amazing. But uh, I just, you know, people, I did, I've done a ton of TV. I've been on Oprah. I've, you know, I've done everything. And it's like, when I speak anywhere in public, I get nervous. But when I go in a TV studio, it feels like in my lounge. Like I don't get freaked out about that. You know, it just it just seems natural to me. And that was that was not me at all. I was embarrassed on stage. I hated my body, even though I was a semi-professional bodybuilder once. I hated me. I just hated me. You know, I went to crawl out my skin. I wasn't happy with the way I was. And slowly but surely, I changed it. So when it comes to the big shows. I was just real comfortable. You see, I've studied so, so many years, intense study. You know, we, we, have, we have tried and tested cases that prove certain things that are not out in the medical world yet. We're so advanced, or I am, in, in learning, brain spotting and stuff like this, which is a, a direct communication between the eyes and the subconscious brain, where most of our stuff happens most of our bad stuff, like my addiction, centers in the in, in the uh, subconscious brain. So I got to be careful on a daily basis. But I just want to inspire people. Like my story, you can do what I've done. I'm nothing special, believe me. I, I wish I could stay and and, and 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 you know tell everybody that I'm this special guy. I'm not. Anybody can do this. We're gonna go back to quantum physics. You know, quantum physics tells me that I can be on 25 places at the same time on a basketball court, for instance, because nothing's really solid. So the question was asked, where do you want to be, Rob? And I said, hey, I want to be over near the goal. So when I get the ball, I slap it in the net, I'm the hero of the game. And somebody said to me, Rob, how are you going to get there? I said, I'm going to walk over and take that position. That's it. I can already visualize it when I walk over and take it. And this is the key to life that people are missing. Don't be afraid. That job, that girl, that house, that car, don't be afraid. Well, I can't do Stop that thinking. Stop that thinking. Start acting like the guy that's already driving that car and having that job. When you see your life change, I get up every morning and I say to myself in the mirror, I love you 10 times. And I'm storing that subconscious brain. So when a difficult situation comes, I love myself. And if I love myself, I can love other people. But I'm very confident not ego it's confidence built up over all these years and that's what i do with other people i take them from a one to a ten really quickly and so they can enjoy life so so dr rob you know and we're honored to have you uh on this podcast um we we are we are growing every day exponentially on this podcast but i honestly think that if your message helps one person out uh we already have one 
And I want to uh, acknowledge Natalie, who's watching, who just uh, stated, I truly appreciate what you're saying. It's helping me out. What, what else can we do as humans, right? Exactly. That, that's all I do. We've been talking you know? for five minutes and you've already helped somebody. That's amazing. Job done. Job done today. So yeah. before, before I forget, Dr. Rob, having an addictive personality uh, and this is some of the thing, you know, so I feel this a lot. Do you ever feel satisfied? Never. Never. And it's so hard to explain to people. Yeah. And I tell them, I, I'm just not satisfied. There's something no. else. There's something more. Yeah. And, and it always needs to be more for me anyway. You know, I, I'm, I, I picked a Porsche 911 up a couple of years ago from the, from the uh, brand new place, the dealership. I'm driving home thinking about when the next one's coming out. Maybe I could buy that. I said to my wife, when we've, we've only been married for six years. I said, if we can just get a hundred grand in the bank account, in our checking account, I would never worry about money. I never worry about money because I'm a money warrior. So we got a hundred grand and I said, if we had 200 right. and we got 200, if it, it's what, it's just like, I don't, I never seem to be satisfied. And I've got to laugh at myself because the trauma from the homelessness is always with me. And I'm going to carry that for the rest of my life because I still fear that one day all this is going to go to crap again. And I'm going to be out there on my own, abandoned on the streets somewhere. That's always in the back of my mind, despite the work I do. That's self-sabotaging neural pathways. That's part of everything we do regarding depression, uh, alcoholism, addiction, sex, food, whatever it may be, is to self-sabotage. You know, alcoholism is not about the alcohol, you know, porn is not about the sex. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. It's like me wanting to self-sabotage because I hate myself. That's the proper, the proper deal right there. It's interesting you say that about being homeless and, and that's always in the back of your mind. I, ne I was never homeless and I, and I can't relate to that, but I, there was a time in my life where uh, my mom was a single mom with just me. We, we moved all across <laughs> the United States and had to start completely over, had an apartment. My mom had a walk to work. I, all I had was a school bus. And I just remember, you know, I don't ever want to go back there again. Yeah. I've eaten ramen noodles for almost every meal. You know, I've been there. So maybe that's in the back of my mind, always driving me. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. That's, that's what happens with the human brain. You know, it's stored. It never goes away. It's like a photograph. It's always there. You can put it in a drawer somewhere, one day you'll come across it. It's always going to be there. And that's what I tell people today. Like me and a friend of mine, a couple of months ago, we got, he found a, like a black and white photograph. They say, Rob, come here. And we're about 18 and 19. And he showed me the photograph. He went, wow, look, look how thin we were. Look how amazing we looked. Rob, those were the days, weren't they? And I went, they were, but what if today's one of those days? You see, at the time, we didn't know those were the days. When he took it for granted that we were just growing up, we had amazing physiques. We looked fabulous. We had a great life, but we took it for granted. So what if today is one of those days that you're going to look back in five years' time? So why not enjoy today? Why not live your best life today? Do for others, you know, do all this great stuff. You can make, you can make somebody's day by just going, hey, nice T-shirt, bro. You know, oh, there's $2. Get yourself a cup of coffee. Nice shoes. When I say thank you to somebody, Dopamine is released into my brain. I like that. It's a win-win situation. I always compliment three people a day. It's part of my program. Because my, my deal is to help people, whether you're suffering from any illness or disease, 
depression, all that stuff I mentioned before. You see the TV, the books, the, the, all the movies being made now. That's all keeping my wife happy and paying the mortgage. That's not my real job. My real, my real job will always be in the trenches, helping people like me to better their lives and get the kids back. That's so, what I get excited about. And, and that's so amazing. So what do you tell... Uh, is there something you could tell our healthcare workers that, that are watching? Once again, that's our, our lot largest pool right now of our of our viewership that are really struggling. And once again, I don't want to get too far off topic with this, but really struggling with with depression over you know feeling like they're being forced to make a choice that they don't necessarily want to make. You know, which could lead to, and what we're trying to avoid, it can lead to that, you know, the alcoholism can lead to drug use and whatnot. What's your message for them? Give me a positive message for, for, for our masses. Well, first of all, to all, to all the guys out there who do that service, thank you so much for your service. You're so important. I appreciate really a lot. But like-minded people. Hang around like-minded people. So let's say the COVID, for instance. If, if you want to get the COVID shot, hang around the guys that's, that's had it. If you don't want to do, hang around the guys that don't have it. You, when we're stuck in the middle and torn between two ways, it's a, it's a lose-lose situation, guys. It really is. I mean, we can get into all the depths and the problems we have with people taking our choices away, and you either agree with it or you don't, but it comes down to what are you worth? As a person, what are you worth? You know, are you worth following this sheep to get it? Or do you make a stand? Stop bowing to peer pressure. I'm a guy that stands out. Everybody knows my name. I walk into a room, they go, oh my God, Dr. Robson, you bet I'm in. Why not do that? Stop following sheep. It, it, no matter which way you go. I mean, you know, I've had the shot. Uh, you know, my, my, my sister hasn't had the shot. It's, you know, don't put pressure on people like this. I don't think it, it, it should be the norm. But yeah, like-minded people. And tomorrow's always a, a better day. And, yeah, so, and, a, and a great day. So while it's very easy for us to, to, to sit here from this podcast and, and say, look, if you don't want to get this shot, there's going to be recourse and you may lose your job. I think the mindset may, should be, you may lose your job, but you're standing upon what you feel is righteous. And then there's a new day tomorrow. You Don't give up. No, definitely not. Never give up. It always a new day will come, a new thought pattern will come, a new neural pathway will be built, the confidence will be there. I mean, if you if you like have a if you're spiritual or religious or whatever, get with that body, start thinking. You know, I studied my own for a long time, guys. I worked for a long time for nothing. In fact, they foreclosed on my house over here because I was working too much for nothing. Nobody would help me. When I said, guys, can I have some money to pay the mortgage? All these guys that I've lent money to and, you know, worked with free of charge, nobody came back. So I was on my own, you know, and you have to make to make decisions on your own based on the facts. You've got to say, look at the source, look at the source and what your beliefs are. Muhammad Ali is a great example of this. You know, he didn't want to go war and, and kill other people. You know, he just like, he, he turned to religion, but look what he did after that. You know, I'm not saying you're going to be as powerful as that. You can be, but it's, I just wouldn't fall. I hate peer pressure, guys. You know, I hate, well, we did this. I don't care what you did. You know, what's my decision based on the facts for me without peer pressure? What's the best way forward for me? And I've stood, I've stood out and been counted many a time with people who disagree with me. People disagree with my methods. 
of getting people well. But when you have a 99% success rate and you as a treatment center offer a money back guarantee, we're the only treatment center in the world that does that, then you can stand up and go, hey, I'm being counted now. This is what I do. Because people, exactly. you, can't, you can't do that. Rob, you, you'll ruin the treatment center. I don't give a shit what I ruin. You know, why are we keeping people sick all the time? I was you know, just let's get well. You Put your money where your mouth is. Yeah, you've been labeled as the, the Gordon Ramsay of, of uh, recovery and, and coaching. I was going to talk to you about your success rate. Uh, most other programs has about a 5% success rate. So what else uh, uh, sets you apart? Um, I, think the, I think the forwardness, the aggressive, uh, nice aggressive, not bad. I'm not going to threaten anybody. And then no nonsense. I mean, sugarcoating alcoholism and addiction kills people. So I'm going to give you the facts. I'm going to give it to you straight. And if you don't like it, you can leave the office. I don't care if you get well or not. But if you want to, my guys, sign on, you're going to get well. Because we have the answers. We have all the latest technology and neuroscience, you know, based on facts, not, not uh, dreams. You know, and we're, we're just good at what we do. I only hire the best at what I do. We have the best psycho, psycho, um, psychotherapist in the world. We have some of the best coaches in the world. And as a team, we have one thing in common. We want to get the alcoholic and the addict or the depressed or the bipolar person well. We want them to enjoy life as we have enjoyed, as I have enjoyed life. I live in this house, which is crazy. I drive a McLaren Mercedes, crazy. You know, why, why wouldn't I? You know, I'm 60 years old. I dressed like a 17 year old. Why would I? The best day of my life was when I stopped caring what other people thought of me. It was the most freeing feeling that I've ever had. And now I lead the way. I go to meetings or go to whatever. And you see other kids follow me. They got, they got a book like mine ripped. They start wearing crazy t-shirts. One come in with a real thin chain the other day. It's just nice to watch being emulated. You know, it's just pass this message around. But yeah, we're very, very, very hard and, and, and conscious and, and mindful that a lot of people are spending a lot of money that's wasting the time. You so know? I'm going to go back to the music now that we're to this point. Yes. <clears throat> we know Elton John had struggled with addiction. Uh, a lot of musicians. Have you kept the relationship and have you spoke to Elton John about addiction? Not about addiction. I spoke to him about music things and just touching base. Um, and Freddie, we used to have lots of um, time, sat down in the early hours of the morning having conversations, and he kept in touch, obviously, for a long time. Uh, Bowie, the same thing, but not about addiction. So they're the guys that did the music for. I've also worked with, you named three biggest movie stars right now, and I've worked with them, three biggest rap stars, um, music, football, whatever. We, we work with the elite, but, they, but we don't take any crap of them, you know? Sure. So I can, I can mention hundreds of names you know and, it was just... and you're you're located you have, you have five locations in the united states is that no around the world around we have world. Uh, san antonio is where i am we have dallas texas our office there we have mallorca in spain we have zurich uh we have uh, manchester and then we have a wales office okay that's so, great all across the world so if if some of our viewers really and and I'm I'm reading the comments as as we're we're going through this and some I I'm going to take a pause for a second here about what we were talking about doctor and kind of just explain to our our, our viewers that we're putting this content out there so you know there's help 
uh, that th there's organizations like what Dr. Rob has that can help you. Uh, times might get worse before they get better. Yeah, if you're if you have to choose to make a decision that that's going to be life altering and you're about to lose, uh, you know, we're not going to be able to save every job through this podcast, but we can give you an outlet like Dr. Rob's organization to help you with that struggle that's going to ensue. Uh, sorry, I just wanted to segue and, and make sure that that our, our viewers know that, that that's why you're on this show. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, immediately when I spoke to Courtney. I was like, wow, you know, this is perfect. This is exactly, you know, this ties in perfectly. We've just because we, we talk about every podcast, the thousands of messages we get and, you know, there's people that are, that are in, in such need of help right now. And, and it's all, it's all mental health, doctor. It, it really yeah. is. It's all, a lot of it is, is mental health, uh, <laughs> prepare, preparing for the worst. And, and I, I think you, you said it best and I'm, I'm going to paraphrase you, but you, you have to envision being your best to be the best. You have to envision what happens tomorrow. Where do you want to be in not, not only, you know, five years from now, where do you want to be next month? And you mm. really, you know, strive for that. Some of the things I do every day is I write five things the night before of things I'm going to do that day. And it might be as simple as dinner, lunch, uh, bike, you know, gym or whatever it may be. But I make sure that I do them every single day. And if I, if I, if I check up all five, then... Uh, I've had a great day and I'm moving forward. And we're not just talking about addiction. We're talking about life, guys. There's so all the treatment that we use is for all this, all these people around that are suffering alone because they can't come forward or they, they won't come forward or they're scared if somebody finds out or they've had depression so long that they're just dealing with it. I mean, these are, these are my people, you know? I tell you, when, when people come on podcasts and, you know, they talk about the company and they talk about this, this, nobody puts the money where the mouth is. Let me tell you guys, I'm going to give my personal cell phone number out in a minute. And if you're struggling, if you're going through something really bad and you want a five minute pep talk that will change your life, I want you to call me. It's my cell phone. Okay. It's not my assistants. It's not my secretaries. It's not reception. It's my cell phone. And if you're going through that, call me. And say, Dr. Rob, give me five minutes, fill my life up. I'll blast you away and I'll give you so much confidence because that's my job, guys. I'm not in this to, 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 to pretend. I'm not in this for my own good, you know? I, I mean, I don't do this for money. I truly believe if you do the right thing, the money takes care of itself. I never see that side of the business. My side is taking a person who is broken and putting them back together again, reunite the families and let's have this amazing life going forward. And maybe... Just maybe one person will come to you one day and say, hey, Johnny, you don't know. I've, I've got this problem or I've been depressed and my family's breaking apart. And you can sit down and go, hey, listen, this is what I got taught, Dr. Rob. Listen to this in five minutes. Let me change your life. It's phenomenal because I think that's what it's about, guys. You know, it really is about helping each other. We're going to give them a better way to, to end. That, yeah, that's, I mean, you may as well blast that number out and, and that's a wrap. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Doctor, uh, you have truly inspired me. I am speaking personally just from this short conversation. Um, I want to uh, afford you the opportunity to, to let our viewers know once again where you're located at. Uh, and you have a book that's coming out. Please tell them about your, it, it's going to help somebody. It's going to help somebody in our audience. So yeah, it's, not, it's yeah. not selfish. We're going to put it on the screen right now. You want to give a little talk about it, Doc? Yeah. So first of all, daddy, daddy, please stop drinking name of the book. So you look at the price there. I think it's coming down to something like $9. I'm not sure, but let me tell you now, 
every single dime from that book, not the profits, all the proceeds from that book go back into communities around the US of A. And the rest of the world, we've got some in England, some in Africa that we send. So it's not a money thing, it comes and it goes out. Anybody want to see the records, I'll show you. I think you can also download it free. So if you do that, that would be awesome as well. If you want to search out what we do, Dr. Rob Kelly, just search that on the internet. Any, any uh, search engine, your pages and pages, just click on one of them. And then don't forget, go to the website, Rob Kelly. I spell my name with two Bs, R-O-B-B-K-E-L-L-Y.com. And let's see what we can do for you. You know, let's chat. Let's reunite. Let's start a group. Page on Facebook. I don't know what we're going to do, but if I can help in any way, I'm never going to sell you anything. I'm not a salesman. If you want, if you want to get well, go somewhere else. But if you want a five-minute pep talk, call me up. It's not going to cost you anything. I'm just going to change your life in five minutes, if that's okay with you. Because everyone has the right and deserves to be happy, everybody. And if you're not living your best life and you're doing it wrong or someone's doing it wrong, it doesn't have to be this way. Believe me, it doesn't have to be this way. It can change in minutes. I can change your neural pathways in minutes to make you feel better and direct. And I'm always here. I'm a team. I'm always here to help people who can't afford anything, don't know where to go, parents, you know, daughters, husband, wife, anybody who was stuck going, where do I turn? Call us up. We'll, we'll point you in the right direction. I promise you. Most of my, and, and we give our $250,000, I think, last year, back to, you know, people in, in recovery or suffering from depression. You know, we bought them little apartments, little cars, you know, stuff like that. We're always, we're always giving stuff back to the community. It's very important that I do that. Very important that I do that because it takes care of me. To give some people some homework, you focus on neuroplasticity? Yes. Neuroplasticity, neuroscience, yeah. uh, brain spotting uh, regarding addiction and alcoholism is my specialty. But the treatment works for even anything as addicted to food, smoking, you know, diets, whatever it may be. We're just, we're a one-stop shop with loads of experience with people who care. All right. Well, we thank you so much. Did you want to give your number out? I figured yes, you mentioned so this, it all this, this is my personal number, guys. I'm in uh, San Antonio, uh, Texas, United States. It's 214-600-0210. 214-600-0210. I probably won't take the call live because I'll probably be working most of the time. Leave a message. I will text you back or call you back, should I say. If you just want a text message, say, hey, Doc, can you give us a call next couple of days? leave your number. I will return that call. End of story. Dr. Rob, thank you so much thank you for so spending much. your afternoon, your Saturday afternoon with us. Boom. Boom. All you're, right. You're telling us off air. You don't work on Saturdays, but we got you. Yeah, you got me. Yeah. But it was, I, that, that's, that's very rarely just Courtney called me up and go, doc, do this one. I'm like, what? Just do it. It's sad. Hang on. I don't work. It's Saturday, 4 PM. Do it. You need to do it. Okay. Courtney, no problems. Well, well, here we are. I'm so well, glad I did, guys. Thank you for having me on. It was great. Amazing. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you for the insight. And uh, we, we hope to stay in touch with you, doctor. Definitely. And to all of our watchers and listeners, stay strong. Uh, we're here for you. And we'll keep bringing you the stuff that you're asking for. Thanks. Have a good day.